What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is an honorable mention with Jeff Schwartz and Shane Hagedorn. Part of the Creative Control Network of Podcasts. And the shuffling madness on the locomotive breath runs the all-time loser headlong to his death. Oh, it feels a piston scraping, steam breaking on his brow. Hey now, happy two for Tuesday and welcome to another chapter of An Honorable Mention, the essential Ring of Honor retrospective podcast covering the most successful independent wrestling promotion of this generation. I'm your host, Jeff Schwartz, and alongside is my co-host, our expert analyst, the head of logistics and Ring of Honor alumni, as well as All Elite Wrestling, staff writer, and much, much more, my partner, Mr. Shane Hagedorn. What's up? We're breaking from our usual uh, <laughs> so afternoon weird. recording. They're recording at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, and we're in... I'm in a new location. As you guys can see on Patreon, if you're in the $12 tier, I'm in my new office. I actually can put my arms out and not touch walls. It's fantastic. I love this. It feels like home. That's a fat kid shirt, isn't it? Oh, totally. Actually, this is from a show. This shirt is what's left of a show. Uh, that was in 2002. Nigel McGuinness wrestled Cody Hawk in the opener. Nice. I I filmed it ringside from the front row because they would not let me in the guardrail. It was the Daily Dusty Road seminar we've talked about on the show before. And uh, Kenny King was advertised to wrestle Pete from Tough Enough on the back of my shirt. But neither Tough Enough member was there. Let's see it. Oh, no, you can't see anything left on the back of the shirt. Look at that. Gone. 
Yeah. It's a 17-year-old shirt. It's, it's gone. All right. September to remember. One day I will digitize that. I got to get one of those VHS tapes that you can put the mini VHS in. Oh, wow. Yeah, some old shit. Yeah, I, I camcorded from the front row so that the guy didn't have to pay off a $300 cable bill. <laughs> uh, yeah. sh- uh, sh- I think the statute of limitations is up. Shasta McNasty. Okay. Kevin Kevin Bailu, I believe, was his name. But we're not here to talk about Kevin because he's not getting into the Hall of Fame today. Partner, let's talk about how your Christmas went first. Nathan got his first um, his first bit of wrestling stuff. Uh, a ring that collapses, a Daniel Bryan figure, and a Shinsuke Nakamura figure. And he's been playing with it nonstop ever since. Yeah. He does not play fairly. Every match is a hardcore match, and he hits he hits his opponent with weapons. And there have been run-ins by Bowser and Yoshi and Luigi and Cheap Cheap and, and Mimikyu. Uh, but yes, he's very ecstatic. And now for his sixth birthday party, he's already declared he wants a wrestling party. Oh, yeah. So, um, yep. We're going to have to call on the Birdman for something to do there. I'm not setting up a ring in my yard. Oh, I think you totally should. I'll get a blow-up. Inflatable ring. Inflatable blow-up rings? Sure. I'm sure it exists somewhere. Those on the Outlaw Mud shows? I don't know. But I'm not setting up a ring in my yard. Oh, you totally should. I would even come out and do crew for it. No. Not a chance. Oh, that would be amazing. He could take his first bump at six. Nope. Not happening. Blow. Okay, so. Blobs. The end. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Serious question. That was Christmas. Would you allow your son to get in the wrestling business if he wanted it? If that was his life choice, yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'd re- request him to go to school or do you know, something Back up. <laughs> else. <laughs> is, is, is it a side to it? But, uh, yeah. If that's what if that's what he wanted to do, you guys can do a father son tag team. Fuck Father's, that! You be in your mid fifties. I'll be sixty. He's I'll be damn near sixty when he turns eighteen. Mid- Fuck that! Mid fifties. I mean, I, 
Triple H is 55, 52, something like that. Excellent. I don't like needles. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> Having said that, we do want to remind everyone to support the show. Uh, that is the Honorable Mention Podcast that you're listening to right now. You can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. You'll get this show early, ad-free. You can get it on videotape. We've got multiple tiers to choose from with special bonuses for joining up to each different tier. Uh, You could possibly get some DVDs for your collection. You can, although all those DVDs are in boxes right now, uh, you could possibly get the script and our format every week. All sorts of things available over at it's a DVD or patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. If you'd also like to wear this show on your back, head over to it's a DVD product.com. T-shirts, hats, hoodies. It's been 60 degrees here, so I guess I can't really recommend a hoodie or a track jacket at this point. It's t-shirt and shorts weather, but climate change is good for the t-shirt business so go over and buy a t-shirt at it's a dvd product.com and patrons get a special discount every time they make a purchase at it's a dvd product.com if you'd like to advertise on this very show you can advertise your goods or products or services with us email us an honorable mention at gmail.com rates a lot less expensive than you would think an honorable mention dot wixsite dot com backslash main. That's an honorable mention dot w i x s i t e dot com backslash main. That is the archives of which we will probably mention a lot during today's show. So head on over there, listen to the entire back catalog as we navigate the journey of Ring of Honor. We are, of course, brought to you by the Creative Control Network, so be sure to follow the head of the Creative Control Network. That's Mr. Joe Feeney. He's on Twitter at J-double-F, ha-ha, N-E-Y, 3-R-D, and at the CC Network 1. For all the latest news and notes on the Creative Control Network on Twitter. Be sure to follow our verified scientist of sound, our astronaut of audio, our purveyor of production, the ace of action figures, the base master general, the technician of trouble, the best broadcast machine, the award-winning autocrat of advertisement, Mr. Zach Johnson. He's on Twitter and Instagram at Radio ZT. He delivers us the best intro and outro every single week and makes sure we sound cooler than the other side of the pillow. Want to support the show directly? The best way to do that is to become a patron today at patreon.com slash pod. We have two membership levels for you to choose from. There's the early bird level, where you get to hear each week's show raw, commercial-free, before I've even had a chance to get my hands on it. Hey, wait a minute. Enough people do that, and I'm out of a job. There's also the do-you-see-this-face level, where in addition to getting the uncut, early, commercial-free version of the show, you get the video version, where you get to see Jeff and Shane. Plus, the do-you-see-this-face level get you a DVD from Jeff's massive library and at least one watch-along match per month. And both levels will get you a 15% discount code at itsadvdproduct.com so you can get honorable mention merchandise 
at a discount. You can't lose. It's patreon.com slash an honorable pod. Become a patron today. Want to support the show and look good while doing it? Then check out it's a dvdproduct.com, your number one source for merchandise that's worthy of an honorable mention. Get our logo on everything from trucker hats to decals to warm-up pants to zip-up hoodies. You can even get honorable mention socks. Pick up shirts featuring the posters of events talked about on an honorable mention or get a shirt with your favorite line from the show on it. It's a dvdproduct.com your number one source for merchandise that's worthy of an honorable mention. Well, partner, I think it's time. Let's dive into it. I think it's worthy of an honorable mention. It is time to induct the very first class, the class of 2019 into their rightful place, into the Honorable Hall of Fame of Honor. Proudly presented by Patreon.com backslash an honorable pod, the official home of an honorable mention and bonus material, including the HDNet series. So we've recapped the holidays. We've recapped the big move. Shout out to Fairway Mortgage for handling this big process in 14 days. If you're in the state of Ohio and you need a mortgage, hook up with the Kruger Brothers and Fairway Mortgage. But we induct five men. Well, really six, if you get down to it. One tag team into the Hall of Fame. And this idea was my little brainchild, as Festivus was last year. And I think we executed this a little better than Festivus. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> Festivus was a free-for-all. Yes, it was. More of a, 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 this is a little more of a tightly read ship, I suppose. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't really understand what Festivus truly was. Um, you know, not everybody watched Seinfeld, so they didn't really understand it. But I think this could be a tentpole show for us going forward, uh, especially when you consider the list of people that were voted for. Yeah, it's very um, – well, there were very clearly <laughs> – you know, about five or six, seven people that were damn, and pretty much every ballot. It was an eclectic mix. Some very unexpected choices. Very. They may not. Choices. They may have only received a, a single solitary vote, but it was very surprising. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of votes. Uh, when you consider the final six, well, final five acts, uh, five people, you know, six people. Um, their contributions to Ring of Honor are endless. Uh, some are continuing to go on and on. But I think when you look at 17, almost 18 years of this company, these are people that really created a foundation for longevity. And I think the five represent different things to different people different emotional values uh, emotional values and just financial values and just uh, synonymous with Ring of Honor uh, in some cases you know I, I heard today and we'll talk about one of our inductees later but I heard today uh, Conrad and Tony Schiavone doing ECW's Massacre on 34th Street the Hammerstein <laughs> show and uh, I 
I watched along with it uh, on the network, and um, they had a, a lot of really nice things to say about Carrie Silkin. And I think it's it's good to say because they talked about ROH running the Hammerstein and the oh, gotcha. You know the connective tissue and where Ring of Honor is today versus and how they got to where they are today. Um, throwing in an AEW plug in the middle there. Um, it's amazing to think in our almost 18 years, all the things that we've seen change in society and in wrestling in general. 18 years ago when Ring of Honor started, or at least the idea for Ring of Honor was formulated, discussed in the... LOL, I'll pretend you said 18 offices. WCW was gone. ECW was gone. Your top indies were CZW, Jersey All Pro, PWG didn't exist, TNA didn't exist, MLW did not exist. You had a thousand NWA promotions across the country. <laughs> I believe no real affiliation yeah, to each no, other. No connective tissue between them. The Colorado Kid was the NWA champion um, when Ring of Honor started. Uh, or at least the idea was started in, in 01. Um, because they didn't just say on February 22nd, 2002, hey, we're going to run a show at the Murphy Rec tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! Here's a show, and all these people are booked. We called them up today and started it. But 18 years, and, and I know in my life and in your life, there's been a lot of change in 18 years. And you were in the thick of this 18 year period for from November of 03. Which we talked it's about. October of 2013. Yeah. I mean, almost 10 years. That's so. 10 years. <laughs> it's basically, yeah, 10 years. Uh-huh. Yep. I mean, that's, that's a long time. And I think every I think you have personal stories about every single person on this list that you can share that we'll talk about. And even those that didn't make the final group uh, for the first class. Um there's something to talk about with each of them. They've they've left their mark in some way, shape, or form. And you know, as a fan, these five inductees, I don't think if you take away one of them, uh, Ring of Honor means as much to me. This is the perfect class to to start us off. This is. Literally every member of this class could be considered the foundation for Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm in agreement. There's, you know, a few other names that would be factored in there, but as far as a a, a first five, first five entrance, yeah, this is on point. So I guess you know when you think about the identity. Ring of Honor, that's what made it so special for all those years. And seeing where it is now, it's tough from looking at it as a fan 
because there's still a lot of really talented performers there. And when you evaluate the current product and you try and compare it to 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, and so on and so forth, it's a different product now. It's not a DVD product anymore. No, it's a it's a television product, and it's it's it doesn't have these kind of people. And I think the legacy of Ring of Honor is these people sacrificing and staying and turning down money in some cases uh, to stay with Ring of Honor. You know, there were multiple times TNA came after one of our inductees. Uh, there were several times one of those inductees was attempted to be pulled off of shows by TNA and stayed loyal to Ring of Honor. Uh, even now, you know, uh, our, you know, non-wrestling inductee is still at shows. And is beloved by fans and, and some would say is kind of, you know, somebody to be jealous of from current ownership and management because he is so revered and they don't have that long-term relationship with individual fans. But when you get down to it and you look at this ballot of all the people that were voted for, Anybody that was in a Ring of Honor match or worked for Ring of Honor was eligible. From February 23rd, 2002 in the Murphy Rec Center all the way to present. Obviously, we do have, you know, one exception that is never going to be eligible uh, for the HHOFOH. Yes. I don't care if you give him 18,000 votes. He's never going to be allowed on a ballot. Um, but I think this is this first class is the perfect group. And next year, in December of 2020, as we're doing this show, I'm very curious to see what the next five are going to look like. You can't plan a year ahead. Well, I'm not already, planning. I already said, man. booking our show for a year. I am. The <laughs> last get to February. We could get to February. We have shows all through February schedule. <laughs> See, I can barely plan that far ahead. February 4th is the only show we don't have booked in February. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's I'll a pretty quick something. I'll flip a coin. I'll make yeah. you pick a number. Yeah, do something to to poison the pool because we've got some great shows in February, but we'll talk about that later. Let's get to the ballot because that's why everybody's here. This is the meat and potatoes. Uh, We're going to make this Excel spreadsheet that I put together uh, available to our patrons on patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. So you'll get to see the actual breakdown of votes and uh, how each person fit into the voting um, most of our patrons voted, I do believe, uh, including our newest patron, Travis. So, hello, Travis. Thank you for joining Patreon. Welcome. Um, 
But when you look at the initial ballot, uh, I'm just going to kind of go through some of the uh, names that got votes. And uh, well, you're you gonna you're gonna you're gonna, you gonna tell the people how you determined the rankings, the points, how this was all. Okay, so here's here's how I broke this down and put this concept together in my head. Uh, I didn't math well. That was part of the problem. <laughs> we have definitely illustrated over the last almost 100 shows, Jeff does not math well. Thank God I proofread. Yes. That's why he is the elite all-elite wrestling staff writer. He proofreads. Um, but... First, a first place vote was worth five points, and therefore I decided a second place vote should be worth four points. And people submitted their list in order. Everybody got points. That way we could determine who had the five most point totals, and that got them into the Hall of Fame of Honor. The Honorable Hall of Fame of Honor, whatever in the hell it's called. It's the, the Honorable Hall of Fame of Honor. The, the, yes, that. Um, which I deliberately you know, made it as ridiculous a name as possible because there is no real Ring of Honor Hall of Fame yet. And I think 18 years, that's a lucky number. <laughs> Excuse me. A lucky number in, in the Jewish religion. Um, it's called Chai. And... Uh, 18 symbolizes life and adulthood in some cases. Um, I think it's time. Oh, man. But licensing... We did it first. Yeah, we did it first. So they're going to have to do theirs and say, you know, an honorable mention did it. Yes. Um, But, you know, I live about... 10 miles now from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And every year, the enshrinement gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you see all these people returning back to Canton year after year after year for the Hall of Fame weekend. And they're turning the Pro Football Hall of Fame into a village, which is basically going to be a football-themed amusement park. Uh, There's going to be a nursing home for retired NFL players with five years of service where they can live free of charge with what free medical care. Fuck? Oh, yeah. There's three oh, ho- Lord. three hotels built on the property. They renovated the stadium to, I would say, a miniature NFL stadium in terms of quality. Uh, there's going to be new conventions. You're telling me the NFL. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch- 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 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No NFL has turned into uh, being in the House or the Senate. You do your four years and then you get to live rent free and insurance free for the rest of your life. Essentially, the five years is. Oh, Fuck that. It it allows you to be a member That's of the NFL. Insane. It's the Players Association that determines that five years, not the That's NFL. That's just, just nuts. Like, wow. Mind-blowing to me. Well, that doesn't exist in wrestling. No, and when you consider the average NFL player plays two and a half years in the league and then it's gone, five years you're, you're living that life. But uh, Ring of Honor's... Hall of Fame concept, they can't necessarily reach out to a CM Punk or a Roderick Strong or a Steve Carino or a El Generico or, or any of anybody of that nature because they're contracted elsewhere or they've disappeared to Mexico to run an orphanage. Um, there's licensing issues. It, it becomes kind of this... How are we going to do this? Remember when Ric Flair was in TNA and the WWE tried to put the Horseman in the Hall of Fame and Rick had a TNA and, contract. Hey, they gave Impact Christian in exchange. <laughs> that's why I mean that's that's what they did. I, I don't see uh, you know let us have Joe come back to do a Hall of Fame and we'll give you you know Roosh spelled Rush. Yeah, I, I don't really see that. I said that would be an WWE going. Ah, we're good. Yeah, you know, I, I totally see that. Yeah, um, there's there's no reason for a quid pro quo in this case. No, um, in which it would be a totally legal quid pro quo, unlike other people. But we're not going to talk about that right now. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the people that receive votes, and I'll just kind of throw out a name. You give me a good story about them, and we'll. Uh, make our way toward the the first induction, uh, official induction. Uh, Kevin Steen received some votes. I mean, former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion and World Champion Kevin Steen? Yes, that Kevin Steen. Uh, one of the hottest merch sellers we had, Kevin Steen? Mm-hmm. Good Kevin Steen story. I mean, I've told the the... the the one about our children on this show before. Um, that's still my favorite, though. Just me and Kevin sharing sharing our news with each other about our children being born. Well, knowing we're going to be having children soon. At, uh, this would have been Death Before Dishonor 12, I suppose. The September 2013 Philly show. With the world tag, with the world title tournament finals, with Cole, Adam Cole winning the belt, and Kevin just saying to me, "We can arrange for our children to be married." As his car proceeds to take off, because I had chased him down, realizing I had yet to had not had an opportunity to share the news with him, and it was very important to me to share it with him. Uh, so that that is um, probably still. To this day, my favorite Kevin Steen story. I uh, 
I remember him coming to Philly for the Misawa show, uh, along with his wife, and she was very pregnant. And I remember like meeting her in the hallway and thinking, man, Kevin really outkicked his coverage. She's so nice. And I mean, she could have had that baby that night and I wouldn't have been surprised. She was way pregnant. And I just remember how happy Kevin was. Like he had this, he he always had some sort of like character look on his face, but like to see him out of character and smiling like with pride, like this is my wife, the mother of my child. And, and this is my wife. You know, that kind of a thing. Uh, it was really cool leave, to see him outside leave, of his element. Leave the accent to me. Yeah, I can't do it well. Not so much. Um, but uh, another man that received a lot of votes that's also a, a new dad for the second time, uh, father of two, as far as we're aware, that would be Rhett Titus. A man that both of us are fortunate enough to call a friend. Rhett receives. And that, I am the proud owner of Rhett Titus's very first match in Dayton, Ohio. Which, for a little peek behind the curtain, he had an entire notebook full, literally, of the match. And I just grabbed said notebook, threw it aside, and said, We're not fucking doing that. And proceeded to have what I thought was a pretty good first match with Rhett. So, you know, that is my. Well, I have a shit ton of Rhett Titus stories. But that's. Most of them probably one belong of my, one on of my Patreon. proudest ones. <laughs> that, that is one I am proud of. I'm proud that I can say that I was Rhett Titus's first match in his wrestling career. And I think Rhett's a guy that eventually should be in the WWE. There's no reason he hasn't gotten a developmental deal yet uh, to NXT. Uh, It boggles my mind. He's too good not to. And he he looks the part. But the the thing about Rhett that always stuck with me from the first time I met him in... Oh, five? Oh, six? His first match is January of oh, six. Okay, so it would have been like October-ish of 05, maybe? Is He has always been so down-to-earth and just very chilled. I've never seen him get amped up uh, or get hot. And just talking like person-to-person about like collecting tapes. And uh, I converted, I don't know how many VHS to DVD for him over the years and Rhett's always been just the same guy. He's never changed. And I think he's such a loyal guy. Uh, and that's a quality I really, really respect. Um, he's just, he's the real deal. True no. True that. Uh, you know, I just, you know, the other thing with Rhett, um, his wife is the best meme possible, and that's all credit due to Pelly. 
So that's the other thing about Reddit. that it will always pop me. Uh, low key next on our list here. I, I, all right, we're just going to go with um, him. One, him. Unforgettable. Philadelphia National Guard Armory. Riding around on a bicycle. Ringing the bell. So, Happiest little kid on earth is what he seemed like that night. Contrary to his persona. I don't really have a low-key story, but I will say this. I think he's a guy that doesn't get the credit he deserves for really revolutionizing in the in-ring style of the independence. Um, I think his Ring of Honor run early was incredible. Uh, without him, I don't think Ring of Honor lasts a year. Uh, I don't think he got enough votes. Yeah, I can say he's he's the one person on this uh, and all of the people that got votes that I was surprised at how little votes he received. It stunned me, and I think it just goes to show how drastically different the audience is now. Well... I don't think he's someone whose name is synonymous with the company uh, that he has not wrestled in in 13 years, almost 14 years. So, and I mean, he, when you look at the way WCW changed the game in the States in 96 or 95 with the cruiserweights, the Mysterios, Guerreros, uh, Hoovy, uh, Sikosis, Dimalenko, Loki was that for the independents in 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. There is no Ring of Honor without Loki winning the, uh, the tournament in California, the Super Indie tournament. King that of the Indies. King of the Indies, thank you. Um, there's, no, there's no Ring of Honor without the King of the Indies tournament. And Loki was the guy that won it. I, I just no. I don't understand how he's so low on this list. One guy that received a, 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 a recognition here that completely threw me off was Dalton Castle. And you and I have talked about this off air. We may have referenced it on air. A guy that has a ton of personality and charisma, former Ring of Honor World Champion, uh, what else we? Six Man was the other belt he had? Yeah. Yes. Six Man with the boys, uh, the Tate Twins, and hurt his back. I don't know what the specific injury was, but he has not been the same since. And. To kind of recognize him for the Hall of Fame this soon is rather shocking when you consider some of the other names that got votes. Um, I think Dalton is a fantastic character. I don't know if I would ever made him world champion. Uh, 
especially when they did because he was hurt. And Xavier generally is kind of looked at as the worst, quote unquote, of the Ring of Honor World Champions. And I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that's a bunch of bullshit. All I can say is I was absolutely shocked that his name was included on the list. And... That's really it. I don't. I, there's nothing there yet. You know, I don't think there's enough. There's enough cachet to put him on the list uh, at all, much less to you know. But to, to be to be have have a a slightly higher point total than than low key it was mind blowing. And Kevin Steen. Mm-hmm. And Rat. And Rat. Yes. Uh. The next man on the list is a man you're all familiar with out there in listener land, and I'm very familiar with as well, and that is Shane Hagedorn. Um, he makes movies. He went to Michigan State. I've heard of him, too. Oh, we, me. Nate. Yeah, you. Oh, okay. Partner. The real the Shane Hagedorn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think that somebody thought high enough of you to put put you on the list? I, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative. Um, I would put myself on the list, but I'm a very appreciative of that of that inclusion. So thank you to whoever the fuck uh, drank enough of my Kool Aid to uh, to put me on that list. Appreciate I thought it. for sure you would be like, I didn't get enough votes. What's wrong oh, with I people? You healed on the audience. I chose not to heal it. Yeah, yeah. I put it on a T. I figure you'd knock it out of the park. Yeah, I chose not to heal that one. So I'll tell a, a quick Shane Hagedorn story. I don't know how many people know this. Um, so I sent an email to Sid back in 2007 saying, Hey, I have a connection with ESPN 850 WKNR in Cleveland. It's uh, the main sports station in the city at the time. Um, And I think Sid sent me off to Carrie, and then Carrie sent me to Gabe. And I said, Gabe, I can get you afternoon drive, day of show, time for an interview. And I was like, you should really, like, whoever's the main event guy, like, Send him with me. It won't take long. We'll get him back to the venue to go run through the matches. Get him on. And I get an email from whatever your shoot name is. I have to throw that out there. And it's like, hey, I'm, I'll meet you over there. Or meet you at the building. We'll go over there. We'll do the interview, blah, blah, blah. And I thought to myself, so this is not an, an indictment on you. It's an indictment on Gabe. <laughs> Gabe, why would you send the head of ring crew, one of the students, <laughs> who nobody in the mainstream possibly knows, to go do this interview with Mark Munch Bishop on ESPN Cleveland? But then you went over and you did the interview. I think we had a beer or something. I don't know if we got food or not at the Winking Lizard. And I think we killed Cleveland because I think that was the last Cleveland show. 
Uh, I didn't. It didn't make any sense at all why I was being sent to do it. I think it was just because none of the talent was there yet. <laughs> I, I just sent Hagedorn. Yeah. Yeah, I, it I, just, that's probably how it ended up being me. Is nobody's there? Nobody's going to be there yet. So uh, you you do this. It was okay. Just, and we had as are idiots for letting me push it and not having like Nigel O'Brien. But sure, I'll yeah. take it. Gets me out of having to set up the fucking ring. <laughs> exactly. I and I don't remember who came with me over there to the show uh, that night. My my brother maybe. Uh, I don't know. Impossible. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we went over the Winking Lizard. You did that interview with Munch, and now Munch works for some station I've never heard of that you can't even access on a radio. You have to go to the internet radio. Ah. Well, naturally, with Shane Hagedorn on the list, that also connects the dots to one Larry Sweeney, sweet and sour Larry Sweeney, receiving votes. Man, <laughs> um, this is this is the part where we cry. You know that, right? A little bit. Uh, I I think my I don't I'm not gonna say favorite, just one one Sweeney story I throw out there. Is um just the first time I met him, uh, rest working for Jakara. The first weekend I worked Jakara, and just him standing out from the crowd because he was not in any mask or doing anything uh, lucha inspired. Or, you know, silly, you know, kind of comedy gimmicky thing of that that I thought was outlandish and stupid. Um, especially with, you know, the way I looked at the product when I first went there uh, in 2005. Um, he just stood out so much. And we had a 10... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, ten man tag that day. And, it's available uh, in the archives. Yes, and, and on Twitch. Yeah, and just um, yeah, just being like, wow, that's all right. This dude's got something here that just makes him stand out, and yeah, it was fun. It was fun, fun to fun to work with that night. So that I know I would be, you know at his side for for many many months there's a an undescribable energy that he had and carried with him even out of character and it was infectious um I was talking to Bryce Remsburg about Sweeney one of the AEW shows I was at and we both we both just started talking about his energy and he was into Buddhism a little bit okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry ooh a book club 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think he spent some time in India at one point. Yes. Um, but he just, he had this magnetic energy that you were just instantly, if he walked in a room, you turned your head. And uh, I just, seeing him in various states, I, I just... Um, Man, I, I, I'm I'm to the point where I'm kind of bitter that he couldn't go on and become this famous millionaire guy because he just he had so much talent and and just I mean I, I've never seen anything like it and uh, or been around anything like it. Um, the one thing that. To me personally, and this is something I say a lot, that I think is his lasting legacy and kind of a gift unknowingly given unto me is his phrase of the cat smiling like the cat that ate the canary. And I had never heard anybody say that before he did. And it was either some promo or something. And, uh, I just, I, I throw that out there every now and again when I see somebody smiling ear to ear uh, and I think of Larry and, and Alex, the man behind Larry Sweeney and just, I smile and I tear up a little bit and just, he was so loved and valued by so many for so many different things. And Man, I, I can't wait to do an episode on him one day. Uh, he was a, a special performer. And I don't I don't think I've ever seen energy like that through my television screen since I, I first laid eyes on Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. That's the only kind of energy that I could even compare it to. Um... Moving on from from Sweet and Sour Larry Sweeney, we we head to Christopher Daniels, the doctor, OMD, father of the cactus, uh, the man that main evented the very first Ring of Honor show along with Loki and the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. I'm surprised Daniels was not higher up on the, the voting total. Um, Agreed. I, yeah, bump him up a little bit as well. Uh, surprised as well where he fell in this. Um, 
But uh, Daniels is the first person I ever did a promo on live in the ring in Ring of Honor. A Dragon Gate oh. Invasion. Yep. Do you remember any of the promo? Uh, the gist, not specifics. It was, you know, he showed up late and he missed Curry Man having a match and he had to come out and, you know, ask, you know, did I miss him? And he just kept cutting me off and cutting me off. So eventually I just took the mic out of his hand and proceeded to try to run him down. And he just in gut and gave me an angel's wings. Probably an easy ride coming down too, right? It's, it's landing on your face. It hurts. Throw kayfabe out the window. He He's like the soft tissue kind of worker, correct? That hurt. Knocked me out. Okay, fine. If you're gonna do that, I will. I will give this story with Christopher Daniels, and uh, I don't remember which show specifically it was. It might have been Glory by Honor Five Night Two in New York. Um, I remember sitting at a table with Samoa Joe, Homicide, Greg H. After the show, we were sitting in the corner of this bar, uh, Irish Times, I think it was called. And Daniels walked over and sat down and what is this, a a meeting of the mixed race mafia? What's going on here? And then proceeded to join us and educate Greg H. and I on comic books, to which his message went in one ear and out the other. And Homicide carried on a side conversation with Greg and I about the Giants while Joe and Daniels talked video games and comic books. Uh, He's a good man. A former Ring of Honor world champion as well. And um, honest to goodness. TV and tag. Yep. Honest to goodness, one of the best human beings I've ever been around. In wrestling, just a nice, nice man, and doesn't age at all. Uh, but speaking of guys that do age and not well, up next is the very first two-time Ring of Honor World Champion, Austin Aries. The very first person to ever have a conversation with me about my uh, difficult position. Of being office and one of the boys simultaneously. First person who ever like talk about that with me and recognize that that was a shitty position to be in sometimes. So I think there's this is the the one case of like I'm throwing all my personal distaste for Austin Aries aside. I'm looking at his Ring of Honor tenure, and I'm looking at a tale of two stories. And I think he's really the only person in Ring of Honor history you can do that with. Because the Gen Next Austin Aries, the wrestling machine, is a top five performer in the history of the company. He also took down the great Samoa Joe in what I believe to be a case of Booker mistake. However, 
that was a momentous occasion and one of the loudest reactions in the history of the company at a live show. If you look at the second half of his tenure, The Greatest Man That Ever Lived, that's a great character, but not as world champion. So would I vote for Austin Aries as a Hall of Famer? That's the question. Yeah, I would. But he didn't get enough to make it in this time. That is correct. And another man that did not receive enough votes, despite being the number one humanitarian on this list, saving orphanages and Mexico, El Generico. All of my stories of El Generico are the same. No comprende. Uh, yo hablo espanol un más pequeño, más piquito. And he would just look at me and go, chinga tu madre. And that was it. Because I didn't know what the fuck he was saying. I didn't understand. I don't know Spanish well enough to know what he was telling me. And he, he kicked uh, me in the face and he helped put me through a table once. On HGNet. Which we just talked about on our Patreon watch-alongs with HGNet. Yeah, you can hear yeah. and watch. Mal Generico's story. Don't understand him. Help put me through a table. So... My favorite El Generico story was not at a Ring of Honor show. It was at WrestleCon. Uh, I believe it was the first WrestleCon. Uh, in Miami, I want to say. Uh, I don't know what WrestleMania that was, but Cena and The Rock was the main event. It took my dad to WrestleMania. He was so miserable. It was hysterical. Uh, but he wasn't the most miserable person in the building. That was me. That show was so long and so bad. Uh, but it, we, uh, I took Big Stu, friend of the show, over to the WrestleCon Hotel. We were going to go see a couple friends that were staying there. And uh, we walked into the room where Cabana and Generico were setting up their T-shirts. And started talking to Cabana. Generico was, I think, speaking to somebody in Mexico about wiring money to uh, light up a schoolhouse and he came over and shook our hands and started speaking in Spanish and Cabana said you can lay off the cave babe now fuck you talking about I, that's all I'm gonna say he's just wait he speaks English this is fucking bullshit it's breaking this, news. This is some fucking. This is some bullshit. I am. This is like today, right now, this very moment. It's like today that Tony DeVito looked at me and said, "Super crazy and Tajiri are fucking full of shit. They spoke English all the time." This is like that day. You just. I just broke it my was, heart. It was a Spanglish type of thing. I just broke my heart. Um, Shared a locker with him for years, and he never spoke English to me. He was a baby face, you were a heel. Garbage. I get it. Garbage. Um, There's also a hidden gem on YouTube. If you search for Guns N' Roses live in Chicago, uh, you can see El Generico dancing out onto the stage behind the drummer. Very, very bad. That was not El Generico. Well, at least it was a man that looked a lot like El Generico. dancing. more like Sami Zayn. That looked much much more like Sami Zayn. Looked a lot like Sami Zayn, too. Similar bodies. Similar 
I bought it at El Generico, but it looked much more like Sami Zayn. Well, a man that is uh, a multi-time Ring of Honor world champion, a multi-time Ring of Honor television champion, a current Ring of Honor tag team champion, the man just missing the six-man tag team titles. He's a former pure champion as well. Uh, to complete the full list of titles in Ring of Honor history, the only man to hold everything but the six-man belts. Jay Lethal, the franchise. My best Jay Lethal story I will reserve for when we cover ROH Gold. Uh, <laughs> I will just go with he's a dude who, no matter how much time I spent in the locker room with him, can never pronounce Hagadorn properly. Hagathorn, Hagaborn, yes, everything but Hagadorn. But yes. If we only cover OH Gold, then you'll get my golden Jay Lethal story. Oh, the one that I covet so much to be publicly told because it's so hysterical. Um, I I think Jay Lethal is another one of those guys that I would group in with Loki uh, as far as revolutionizing the independent style from slow and plotting old timers to fast pace, hard hitting. Uh, young, new breed style wrestlers. Um, my love of Jersey All Pro, you know, uh, early days of Jersey All Pro was a very young Jay Lethal at the center of it. And as I've seen him grow over the years, he truly is, and I mean this in all sincerity, the franchise of Ring of Honor. He is the heart and soul of that company, uh, aside from the Briscoes. Uh, the level of matches that he puts on, I've never seen him have a bad match. I've seen some mediocre matches where his personality didn't shine through, but his heel turn uh, in siding with Truth Martini, uh, it was a WrestleMania in New Orleans. I believe we covered it in the archives, the Supercard of Honor show. Uh, Jay Lethal, one of the best heels in company history. And uh, I think Jay is is a phenomenal performer and definitely somebody that will merit more votes going forward, uh, as will the next man. And that is the notorious 187 Homicide. Yo, I should have been number one. Y'all motherfuckers don't know how to vote. Yeah. Yeah. I bump it up. Yeah. But bump it up. But my 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 brief homicide story, I'll just go that um scared the living shit out of me and I was terrified to talk to him for like the first year I was in Ring of Honor. I just know D is one of the funniest people I've ever been around in wrestling and I will remember the the chase to the title for the rest of my life and being so happy when he won the Ring of Honor title from Brian at Final Battle 06. Um, It was like one of my own sports teams winning a championship. And when the true testament to the person behind the character of Homicide is, you know, he's 
on the TNA roster. He's active in TNA, uh, doing the LAX tag team with uh, Hot Stuff Hernandez. And he's still showing up to Ring of Honor shows in New York just to see his friends. And then coming to the after party and being the center of the party, like the, the life of the party. Um, you could go through all the great matches that he had and you would never be able to name all of them. Uh, Pelly put it best. He's Terry Funk for Ring of Honor. Yep, yo. Forever. Well, yo, forever. Well, coincidentally enough, Homicide's greatest rival, Steve Carino, also received the same number of votes. Yeah, just go figure. <laughs> That's what a plot that twist. Was, uh, yeah, the the the, the there was a, a ballot that came in at the zero hour that tied him up with the same amount of votes. Not enough to crack the top five, but tied them up. So I have too many, too much Steve um, love. I've, I've uh, suffice this to say, I, I don't still have this shirt. But at ECW closed, I went to an indie show in Michigan with a friend of mine. Specifically because Steve was on the show, and I got a black king of old school with a red crown writing and red writing on it, uh, signed by Steve. Uh, that that show, and um, he was, uh, yeah, he's one of the one of the people I was lucky enough to go from fan to friend, and yeah. Steve is uh, a guy that, to me, my favorite, you know, part of Ring of Honor that's not the wrestling segment is the intros. We've done a few of them over the last couple of months available in the archives. And, uh, you know, when you're in an indie promotion where work rate is the number one thing fans are looking for, and he's just out there being a dick, you have to appreciate that. He found a way in a work rate company with a bunch of smart fans to piss off the smart fans by having a 20-minute ring introduction. And when we covered Empire State Showdown and he and Punk did their alternating lists, uh, Carino's list was drunks and addicts and Punk's was drugs he will not and has not ever done. Um to me, that is a, as far as non-wrestling goes, that is the number one moment in Ring of Honor history. So Steve Carino makes the list. Nigel McGinnis up next. Did not crack the top five. Former Ring of Honor world champion. Ring of Honor pure champion. Quite frankly, a guy I've seen wrestle... I think for almost 20 years now. Uh, you know, I, I think I first saw him wrestle in like 99, early 2000. Um, a guy that is so good, he will never understand just how good he is. 
I had just several um, like heart to hearts with Nigel over the years. Uh, the in Cleveland, one at, at, at the Hammerstein when after we filmed um, what would turn out to be the first really of the sit down interview uh, comp DVDs I did, um, and just um, Nigel being. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the few who would continue to reach out to me after I got fired. Uh, just an all-around good dude. Who I'm not a bad... I've never had and will never have a bad thing to say about. Um, it's... Yeah, just he's 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 one of those ones that makes it tough. If I, if I think if this list, if we had specified strictly in ring talent, he would have been in the top five without a doubt. Mm-hmm. He uh, he was so good in the ring, and he just came at a time when there was Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. You know, this Austin Aries, Christopher Daniels. I mean, you can go on and on and on. It was an all-star team. Yep. Yep. And Nigel does not know just how good he was. Um, the torment he put his body through as champion. And I don't, I don't know a comparable athletic feet to being in that much pain and suffering and still going out there and tearing the house down. Yeah. Well, speaking of tearing the house down, a man that did that quite often, both in ring and outside of the ring, uh, our next man receiving some votes is Roderick Strong. <laughs> Uh, my favorite rock Roderick Strong story still culminates with Bama Briscoe saying telling Roddy's to stop being a pussy check out Double Feature available in the archives for that story he's uh he's a guy that I spent a lot of time with at after parties and the first time I met him, it was kind of a, a case of mistaken identity. He thought I was somebody else, and I think he was really angry. Um, 
the night of Joe Kobashi, I thought he was going to beat the shit out of me in the New Yorker bar uh, until he figured out who I was and then stumbled off and later was hugging me at various points during the night. So Roderick Strong, um, you know, Ring of Honor champion, Ring of Honor tag team champion, Ring of Honor television champion. Mr. ROH. That was his name for nickname for a couple of years. And, you know, when you look at the quality of matches, he was so consistent. And he got better over time, and I'm so thrilled to see him on NXT now finding a personality that makes him stand out. He's a, a an absolutely essential piece of NXT. Didn't quite make it into the top five as nope. we draw closer to the big unveiling. So the, the the one man that just missed cracking the top five is a guy that both of us have had our ups and downs with over the years. And a creative genius, I would say, is one way to label him. Uh, a guy that just had an amazing chessboard and put the pieces in the right places to create magic. And that man is one Gabe Sapolsky. Just missing being a part of the first class of the HHOFH. Is the the original booker of Ring of Honor, despite... You know, he's... uh, Behind a lot, obviously, behind a lot of the matchups that... You know, putting together the talent that made that Ring of Honor recognized, and you know, I mean, it's there's that it, uh, that's you know, it's you're the the Booker, the matchmaker, or whatever title you want to slap on somebody. You know, when he was he was the first, he was the one that was into the ground floor uh, of Ring of Honor that established its identity in the early days. You could you could say, um, and introduced me. I believe was the first person to introduce me to Korean barbecue at Porky Porky's. I think that he was the first person to introduce me to that. Used to be on 12th and Washington in the city. Big thumbs up. Also, you know, gave me opportunities. Whether or not I made the most of them, that's on me. Whether or not they were consistently what I wanted. It's a different story, but um, something I will always appreciate, at least being given an opportunity. I'm grateful to Gabe uh, for a couple of things. Number one, when I was losing interest in wrestling, his matchmaking brought me back and totally shifted how I viewed professional wrestling and what I wanted to get from professional wrestling. The way I watch wrestling now is because of how Gabe put Ring of Honor together in 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, 6, 7, 8. So man-woman violence is essential to your viewing. No, it's not. (laughs) But he did book a shit ton of that, as we hear on Through the Years with Trevor and Matt. Um, There was a lot of that 
in the early years, but really like the the hard hitting, fast paced, serious wrestling mixed in with all sorts of varieties of offshoots of just of legitimate competition. Um, you know, I've never had that big fight feel at a wrestling show until I went to a show that Gabe was the booker for. And there were maybe 400 people in the building. It's, you know, I, I just, I have a, a an eternal respect for Gabe and Ring of Honor doesn't exist if it's not for Gabe Sapolsky because I do believe Gabe is the one that came up with the name Ring of Honor. I don't remember. I don't remember. I know there was one of those various shoot interviews. I'm almost positive that was the case, uh, that that was stated. Yeah, yeah. we'll give it to him. Because nobody cares about the other person, and then the other one's dead. So (laughs) we're going to give it to Gabe. And neither of Doug Gentry did not receive any votes, and the other person is not eligible because he pretended somebody was 18. So that leaves us with six men filling five spots. Of course, one is a tag team. Our first official inductee into the Honorable Hall of Fame of Honor is a man very close to our hearts. He saved Ring of Honor. He kept them in business far longer than any normal man would. Kerry Silkin. Absolutely 100%. um, Once we decided to include everyone in the scope of Ring of Honor beyond just in-ring talent, uh, 100% 100% Kerry Sokin deserves to be in this. Um, the company does not exist past March of 2004 without Kerry Sokin. Uh, even giving a little bit of leeway, we'll go June of 2004 it does not exist past that point without Kerry Sokin. It does not exist to make it to HDNet. It does not exist to make it to G Funk pay per view or to make it to go fight live and innovate, you know, streaming pay-per-views for pro wrestling. It does not exist to be bought by Sinclair Broadcasting. Um, it does not exist as a vehicle for Punk and Joe and Brian and Nigel and the Briscoes and Kevin Steen and El Generico and Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero and uh, the countless of other individuals that have come through the company and either stayed there to maintain the brand or moved on to build their own brands. Uh, none of this exists w- without Carrie. Carrie Sogan is one of the most generous people I've ever known come across in my life um he's a selfless man 
Uh, he always took time to shake your hand. I don't know any owner of a business uh, where you have 500 to several thousand people coming through the exits and he's there to shake every one of your hands, no matter who you are, the color of your skin, the the smell of your body, the, <laughs> the your gender. I mean, it's wrestling. What can you say? Wrestling fans generally, you know, they get sweaty. It, yes. Sometimes they, they arrive. Sweaty. Sometimes they arrive sweaty. I don't know. Um, but he was a man of the people and is a man of the people and is so revered that I do truly believe to this day there is a jealousy in current Ring of Honor ownership that they are not as beloved as Kerry Sokin is. And a personal story aside, Kerry had a conversation with me that changed my life for the better and certainly turned me around and I'll leave it at that. But without Carrie having that conversation with me, I don't know where my life would be at this point. Um, so I'm forever grateful for that. Um, and in the last few, few months, you know, getting to talk to him on the phone and staying in touch, um, that's been really uh, a pleasure to talk to him, even if it, there's been some, you know, debate as to the topic. Uh, I think Carrie is a, a stand-up guy, and I don't have the friends that I have without Carrie Sulkin. Ring of Honor doesn't exist without Carrie Sulkin, and I, I'll take your, your March of 2004, June of 2004 timeline, and even before that, I don't know if Ring of Honor lasts financially. Well, yeah. Because he was pumping money in into the company before that. Um, there's just a million things you could say. I wish we could have him on the show uh, and do a full-length interview with him. Carrie has stories for days. He's one of the most fascinating characters. Um and if you meet him at a Ring of Honor show, you know, ask him about selling tickets outside of the garden and Penn Station and just just life stuff, not even wrestling stuff. He's a fascinating, fascinating guy. And I, I think the biggest thing I, I miss from going to Ring of Honor events is not seeing Carrie at every single one of them. Just for me, obviously, his, uh, I was his employee on top of everything else. Um, but I mean, yeah, when we first moved into the Bristol office in you know June of '04, you know he would show up several times a week bearing cannolis uh, from this place up the street, Anthony's, I think it was called. It was my first introduction to cannolis that I recall. Fucking love them, delicious. You ever seen me have a cannoli for me? My best friend. Cannolis, yeah, and coffee crisps. Key to my heart. Uh, and just even little things like the day he just calls me up. You still don't want to go to the Billy Joel concert? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I care. I, just, I don't have any money, but just go to Will Call. Tickets will be waiting for you. Uh, oh, you, Mary's going too, right? Yeah, two tickets will be waiting at Will Call for you. Okay. Show up at Will Call. Two tickets for Billy Joel. Fast forward a little bit. Okay, let's talk about concerts. Music he's been to. Loves. Yeah. Jethro Tull. Hence why this show opens with Jethro Tull and Ring of Honor. Hence opened with Jethro Tull for so long. And we're talking about Pink Floyd. Roger Waters is coming to the then IZOD Center. Uh, with the Dark Side of the Moon tour. And, and if I had to venture a guess, this was like 2007 or 8. Uh, and I'm talking. It tells me how much the tickets are. And I'm like, I'm good, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Day of show. Day of concert. I get a phone call in the office. You still want those Pink Floyd tickets? I I absolutely I I would love to go carry, but I absolutely can't afford them. How about you, Mary, Jimmy, and Sugarfoot? Meet me at the Izod Center. I don't have any money except for these tickets. They're like three hundred and fifty dollars tickets. Don't worry about it. You have to see this at least once in your life. You have to see it. Okay, so get all gathered we all get together we go to meet up there and i'm just thinking now i'm gonna get some fucking you know cheap nosebleed seats my you know pole in my way or something like that because if he's giving me for free i'm just assuming they're gonna be like whatever junky seats he had available uh me carry there hands me the tickets nope he went with the 350 tickets sixth row on the floor Dead center watching this show. And the, the show was fucking phenomenal, but equally as fascinating. Uh, was listening to Carrie talk about the show and talk about the lighting and how much he wished that we could do this at a Ring of Honor event and just how how much he geeked out for that sort of stuff, almost as much as the music itself, but the presentation. And, and that's why Ring of Honor in part went from the, you know, smoke machine with a few strobe lights to the, you know, the slow eventual build we got uh, under his auspices prior to Sinclair um, to present that rock concert feel to Ring of Honor. And they just, Simple things like being the guy to teach, try to try, I will emphasize try to teach my drunken ass how to play craps one day. Uh, well, I think huh? we were in, you wanna play in, some Milwaukee, craps? in Milwaukee. Yeah, Come here. I'm going to teach you how to play craps. You want to play some craps? Come on. Go All right. play some craps. Alright. Yeah. To just those thing, those aforementioned things and just um... Now, there were some issues 
in the aftermath of my removal from employment by Sinclair. That's obviously had nothing to do with him. But uh, the the decade I spent, most of that being his employee, uh, just knowing what he did with with so little finances to do it. Um, the labor of love, a passion project, uh, just hoping that it would turn into something. And it did. Um, Carrie Sulkin, you know, I think both of us, that's why we opened the show, as you said, with Locomotive Breath. Uh, it's it's a tribute to Carrie. Um, he, he's just more than deserving of being uh, a first ballot Hall of Famer here. And I will say that I ranked him number one on my ballot. Several. Many did. Many, many ranked. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's just say he got as many first place votes as our number one and our number two. Yep. Well, our next inductee into the Hall of Fame is your trainer, CM Punk. One time Ring of Honor World Champion. One time Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion, or two time, sorry, Tag Team Champion alongside Cole Cabana as the Second City Saints. Capturing that first championship at Reborn Stage 2, our Chicago Ridge debut. Losing it in the opening match of the Retribution Round Robin Challenge 3 and recapturing it the same night as we change the title three times. One. Two, mm-hmm. three times in one night. In some city adjacent to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In some city in the general Boston area. So, yes. obviously, like, Punk was such a revolutionary character. He was the first guy that really came in with a character. But it wasn't so much a character. It was very much how... Phil Brooks, the person, operated and then just took that lifestyle and turned the volume up to be the character. He separated himself from every single person with that promo ability, the believability. He talked you into the building. And we can go on and on and on about the Samoa Joe matches, the match with hom- the matches with Homicide, the tag team matches with Cabana against the Briscoes, the match with Aries, uh, Summer of Punk. I mean, there's all these incredible things we can talk about, but I think for me, I go to the promo on June 18th, 2005 in New Jersey. I go to that promo and I just think 
what would it possibly be like? Have, as somebody that has no interest in ever being a professional wrestler, ever in my life, I never once really wanted to do it. But I watched that promo and I imagined being in his shoes and having an entire building in the palm of your hand and knowing that they're eating every single word out of your mouth and and there is probably some sort of general disdain for these people in some regards I just I thought it was one of the most powerful moments I've ever seen in, in wrestling yeah I thought you were going with a different June promo I expect you to go June 28th 2003 the WrestleRave Oh three, just hilarious that it's called Russell Rave Oh three because there was never another Russell Rave. Nope, Special uh, K died. Not yet. It could have been a Russell Rave Oh four if we'd so chose. I um, wish we. But did. I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go with the Russell Rave promo, um, which I know is what I think changed made him for a lot of people seeing that promo. Um, and if you haven't seen it, just go YouTube, search it. Maybe I'll share it on the Twitter or something in conjunction with this because it's it's a backstage promo. But it's it's in that tight Murphy wreck building right in his face. Um, so you literally see and feel every bit of emotion that comes out of that promo. And it's just, you watched him, like, from the unscripted debut, which was just talking, and it was just a very generic, like, hey, I'm CM Punk, and I'm here, and this is, and here's Colt Cabana, and I'm here, and, you know, a little bit of the shenanigans that you saw them engaging in the, how do we get to the building escapades from... Night of the Butcher or Final Battle, whichever one it was, uh, 2002. And just like the slow progression into the Raven feud, which, you know, the, the, the promos that, that built to that Wrestle Rave promo. Uh, uh, I think he, he was the first person in Ring of Honor that it wasn't about the matches. They were good, and but none of them were the. We'll go with DVD selling matches, but his words, his gift of gab, that was his money. That was what made him stand out above everyone else in that company. This was at a time when like number of uh, good promos in Ring of Honor were limited to like Chris Daniels. That's probably it. <laughs> Carino? Uh, we've we've talked Carino, yeah. Uh, but at this time, you know, when Punk first came in, Steve was primarily doing, was still doing commentary. Yep. You know, he hadn't became, uh, he had not become a wrestler on screen yet. Uh, you know, because 
Loki had his moments, but then he also had his promos that were just not good. They were gibbering. The Xavier Brack promo, for example, or just meandering. And but Punk was that first person, I think, that you could just latch onto the words. And people could follow what he was saying and the story he was telling with the words. And there was an emotional range to the words. And it slowly built. It wasn't just like he came out of the gate and hated fucking Raven. It was like the slow storytelling, you know. And, and that's that's what he brought to the table in a company that didn't have a whole lot of that in its early days. And it made him stand it out and it made people take notice because I mean it had the good matches you know the, the tape trading crew was aware of that with, with from IWA Mid-South um, yeah and I neglected to mention IWA Mid-South at the top when we talked about the top indies of the yeah the time yeah but this was like a whole different perception said this was a whole different uh, game. And he got put in there with someone who is a talker in Raven. Um, Yay! Who had a a reputation, uh, a name, and he hung with him. No. And this was the, you know, this was Raven in that, like, peak revival you know he was going out and killing it in the mat in, in matches and in, in tna and, and with jeff jarrett and aj styles and then he was coming here and having these you know matches with with punk and uh but he's not the one who stood out he's not the one who was made from this rivalry it was punk and it was because of the words more than the matches and I don't think it. I don't think it wasn't really until Joe that it was that that the matches became that he had those matches, but it was equally much about the story. And he, the, even keep when you keep going on and on in his career, it's story over content distance from for the most part. Summer of Punk, it's not the fucking matches that anybody remembers. It's signing the contract. It's running out of the building. It's that promo from Death Before Dishonor 3 you mentioned. It's being surrounded by everybody at homecoming and bailing out of the building. It's that four-way and breaking down. It's the match with Cabana and it's emotional content that we talked about in the archives of Punk the Final Chapter. Um, he just, he, I know I've gone on and on, like, verbally blowing my trainer, but <laughs> it's deserve it. Deservedly so. As, uh, as somebody who who brought something completely different to the table in Ring of Honor. And then when the time came, was one of the people who took the company on his back and said, we're going to make this work at what the hardest time in the company, 
to that point. The line of somebody try and stop us at World Title Classic, I think, stands out to me when I think of CM Punk and yeah the the litany and gluttony of great promos and intense promos and the moments where he's trying not to break up laughing at Cabana I mean it's more than worthy of being inducted into the very first class of the HH OFH Let's go with the Honorable Hall of Fame of Honor. The Honorable Hall of Fame of Honor. It's a lot of letters. Uh, But two more gentlemen that were intense in their promos and also at times could get you to crack a smile. Jay and Mark Briscoe, 11 times Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, most recently losing them a few weeks ago at Final Battle to... Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. Uh, and, ta- and six time tag team champions. Or, sorry, six, six man, man tag, tag team, team champions, champions with Blubba Ray Dudley. And, and Jay Briscoe, a two time Ring of Honor world champion. Yet Mark never had the TV title. Nope. Bullshit. Bullshit. Terrible booking. Shame on you, Hunter. Um, the Briscoes, there's a million different things you could talk about them. You could talk about their intensity, how they've aged and constantly continue to change their image and their look. Uh, the one thing we neglected to mention about punk was the theme music and how AFI was attached to punk give me back my bullets was attached to the briscoes you heard the first chords you knew what was coming and you were fired up for it and with the briscoes you also had that they were just two country boys that found themselves in the ring but they also were young kids that You know, Jay is in the very first match in the history of Ring of Honor. Official match, I should say. uh, Against the Amazing Red at the Air of Honor Begins. There's... I I think of all the people that we inducted, the Briscoes have the most credentials. I mean, they've been there. You know, minus uh, some breaks. Uh, They've been there, Yeah. When we made their since day one shirt in like, I don't know, 2012, 11, 10, whatever year it was, uh, you know, that 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 was that was true. Um, I remember sitting there at one point and looking around in the locker room and it was like me, Jay and Mark were like the longest tenured people in the company. Uh, and Chris Daniels, I think, was there at the time, too. Um just as far as and it was everyone and everyone else had to come in after I I started um, and just say so aside from that 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 
that break, like 04 to 06, like the year and a half, whatever it was that they were gone. Now they've pretty much been the, the constant in Ring of Honor. Um, and, and just where they started, you know, wrestling in their singlets, those red singlets with just a couple with of the, tattoos, you know, the black and very shaved, clean shaved heads, 17 year old Mark Briscoe. Unable to even wrestle in Pennsylvania, couldn't wrestle until you know Honor invades Boston, where he wrestled Jay, and then just building and building, and finally coming together as a team after that weird Mark's joining the prophecy thing and that you know going nowhere for real life reasons. Uh, and then, and, you know, going away and I guess kind of going, going away in, in, in August of 04 and, uh, finding their way back to Ring of Honor and that time away, like being the best thing that could have happened as far as the Ring of Honor existence, because it gave, made fans hungry to see when they finally came back like going hard and fast into it and tag champions and it's it's uh, even even before they left just think of like the cage match with Jay and Samoa Joe or Mark and Samoa Joe final battle of three and the wars they had with the Saints the that Portis Honor two night two match with the Chicago Street fight and the first time we had a chair riot in Ring of Honor. And then them coming back and going into it with Gen Next and Aries and Strong and the Kings of Wrestling and you know, eventually into it with Steen and Generico and Age of the Fall and Mark Jay being hung upside down and bleeding everywhere and um, you know, just the, 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 the opportunities they would get when they would go when they went over to Noah because of the Ring of Honor relationship there and just you know finding their ways through injuries and you know I, I think people they were Jay you know they were there were people that nobody ever thought they'd be anything other than a tag team and then Jay being the one to dethrone Kevin Steen's reign of terror and earning his belt only to be injured like immediately and it was just the story of them and then just going on and on with Jay and coming back together and heels and faces and you know going all going at it with every tag team that's ever come through the company and just their their resume is untouchable in Ring of Honor and their loyalty to the to the brand is also untouchable. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't say anything else. I mean, uh, you know, from a, uh, an ex- a personal aside to to this, you know, you worked with both Jay and Mark. Um, I used to drink with Jay and Mark. I've done that too. Um, I mean, that's kind of like the same thing. 
Um, only, you know, if you're drinking with them, your liver hurts and sometimes your chest, uh, depending on how, how and what they're drinking. Um, and you worked with their father, Papa Briscoe. Yeah. And it just, and that, that's, it's that. That family feeling, you know, Papa Briscoe always having a hug for me and Mama Briscoe always having a hug and the care of the Briscoe caravan in the back of the arena during like HD net tapings. And, uh, after we got done with the match and Papa Briscoe wanting so badly for me to come have beers with them after the show for the match and me being like, I gotta go tear a ring down and move it seven flights down and load it into a truck and I'm kind of in charge of it so I can't really, you know, go to the bar and get drunk tonight. So I'm sorry. <sighs> but man, yeah, just I worked with them. I worked against them. I drank with them. I went to strip clubs with them once many, 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 many moons ago. Uh, I don't think I remember probably in 21 when that happened. Jay, maybe. But they're as they're, I think, the most synonymous with Ring of Honor. Um, because of like, everything. Like they said the tenure, the work, the blood, the blood, the sweat, the tears they put into it, especially the blood. Yeah, they are. They, they, they are stick. I think is, is it would be safe to say for the company. Um, and yeah, I've watched them character-wise. The the 2002 Jane Mark, very little that's recognizable. If you look at the 2019-2020 Jane Mark Briscoe. Yeah, I and think as a, a tag team, they're the best promo. That's just I. Dad, those aren't promos. They just pushed record. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just, I, 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 I guess. I think that, and I think it's the, you know that's one of the real. reasons why they work so well. And then you know, even going back to Punk, that's why that works so well because you literally just felt like this dude was talking. It didn't feel like a promo most of the time. You know, as they, as Jay and Mark got comfortable, especially Mark. Once Mark got comfortable, like being a talker, and you got to see like this other side of Mark that wasn't like awkward and uncomfortable, like you see in the early stuff. And they just vibe off each other, and there's this natural brotherly interaction, and it's so awesome to see and. There's always that, like, Terry Funk don't wear no mouthpiece promo. They look that up. That's just, like, gold because you literally just feel like somebody pushed record and they're just, this is, a, this is you're literally capturing a moment in the life uh, uh, in Sandy Fork, Delaware. <laughs> and then it's funny because they kind of stand in such a stark contrast, too, because their importance to Ring of Honor is so, so much like a, a huge part of it is that tenure and then everyone else that's in this top five um carry obviously being an exception um 
as far as the wrestling, the in-ring talent, their tenures with Ring of Honor are the blink uh, by comparison. Especially like Punk. Punk was September of 2002 to August of 2005. Three years span. Three years out of almost 18. And that's how much of an impact he had on fans, on the product, on the uh, drawing eyes to it. And the Briscoes have kept those eyes in a lot of ways. Like there have been that team that I think the fans that have been watching as long as you started when I started, they, they can look at that team and just say, those are our guys. You know, they're the home team. They will always be the home team. And, uh, they are the misters ROH. Yeah. Now for sure. Um, the one final thought on the Briscoes wild turkey is very bad. <laughs> never, never accept wild turkey unless you want to cure a sinus infection and miss your flight. Never accept wild turkey from the Briscoes or anybody with the last name of Briscoe or Pew or anything like that. No, just say no. Walk away. Say thank you. No, thanks walk away <laughs> only time I've ever missed a flight in my life because I I literally could not get out of the floor of the hotel room those three maniacs gave me three shots of wild turkey Ugh. I felt a lot better the next day I didn't have a sinus infection but it was it was actually <laughs> I, I had a liver infection. My throat was smelled like wild turkey, and I, I had to pay for a new ticket home, and it was not fun. But beyond that, the Briscoes truly are the best tag team in the history of Ring of Honor, and I don't think anybody will ever touch their tag team contributions. But... There are two other inductees to talk about, and these two men stand out amongst all the rest, receiving the same amount of first-place votes, the same amount of second-place votes, the same amount of third-place votes. But Brian Danielson is our, our next inductee, the American Dragon. He main-evented the very first Ring of Honor show alongside Christopher Daniels and Low Key. He is a Ring of Honor champion, Ring of Honor pure champion, unifying those belts. Uh, but you know a little bit more about the personal side of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. I, I, I like to refer to Punk as my trainer and Brian as my finishing school. Um, he was also my neighbor for the better part of 2006 uh, until he moved back to Washington. And so I got to, to spend become a, a lot of bigger. To become a clam. <laughs> I, I got to spend a lot of time with him uh, personally on top of um, training in the ring uh, with him at the school. And 
He's a card. An antiquated description. He's but a card. It fits. it fits perfectly. Yeah, we had some had some good moments with dessert challenges and at the Great American Diner and Pub with Pelly and just random phone calls about the most random things and me just tossing out my bed frame and bed and telling my then girlfriend we're sleeping on the floor now because that's what Brian does. <laughs> and just, uh, yeah, yeah. And writing uh, for one of his tours of either Japan or the UK, I don't remember which one, me having to write his homework for him because he had paper due and wasn't going to be around to, to submit it. So I wrote it for him uh, as he was attempting to get a degree to join the Peace Corps and be done with wrestling in favor of the Peace Corps. Boy, would and that have been a tragedy. Him, him bringing me, uh, this was a very sad, sad moment, him bringing me fresh fruit as his sister to live too far away from, from where we lived and bringing me fresh fruit from the I think she's in Lancaster area of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And me putting it in the back seat of my car, forgetting about it in the hot, hot sun, and it turning to mush all over my CD book and decimating many, many of my CDs, including my Minor Threat Complete Discography, most of my Nine Inch Nails collection, and many, many other CDs were dead due to this rotten fruit wow there would have been some irony if that fresh fruit for rotting vegetables would have been in there too but I don't think it was uh, that's that's a CD um, anyway but that was as, as, a, as a as personal and then you know being there when he got hurt and like seeing the, the the pain, you know, this dude who would do everything with us in training, and then couldn't, like couldn't even was in, couldn't even do like bridges with us because he was in pain because of like the weight pulling on his shoulder, you know, gravity just pulling his shoulders down as he's trying to do bridges with us, and just being in pain and driving him to physical therapy. Um, a couple times, ironically, a same physical therapist I would go to uh, a bit later uh, down the line when one of many times for my back. Uh, and then just seeing, wa- sitting there, you know, watching the match with Kenta from Global Honor 5 Night 2, um, just knowing the kind of like pain he was in and insistence on work. Working through the rest of the calendar year to finish the story with Homicide and drop the belt to him at Final Battle. Uh, and then being his first match back when he came back from injury. I'm sorry, second. Adam Pierce was his first match back, I do recall. I don't remember what the order of matches. No, was it me first? Yeah, you went first me and first. then Adam. I went first, yeah. So I was his first match back in Ring of Honor Five, four months later. Then Reborn again. Five months later. But even before all of this, 
the first time I watched Era of Honor Begins. And seeing him for the first time as a fan, immediately latching on to how he wrestled. Because it reminded me of the people that made me fall in love with WCW. I turned on me, like many others probably, I turned on WCW because my friends told me that Razor Ramon and Diesel were on TV there. I kept it on because of the Guerreros, the Malinkos, the Murderers, the Rey Mysterios, etc., etc. And that's what he reminded me so much of, Jericho and... Yep, and immediately latching on to how he wrestled in his style. And, like, he was one of my must-sees for Ring of Honor. One of the things that, like, drew me to Ring of Honor. To keep watching and keep getting bootlegs because I wasn't going to pay for it from a new set 18 video at the time because I knew shipping took fucking forever and I can get it much faster from the bootlegger. Or or it didn't get shipped at all, but that or it didn't get shipped at all. Whole other story. Several Thank times you, over. Black Tiger and Rolling Germans. Yes, big fan of those guys. But for for me, I didn't have hardly any personal interaction with Brian, and it was really weird because he was kind of the only one. He and Jimmy Rave. Um. Never really did a lot of the socializing after shows. And I so I would watch Brian from afar. And I maybe met him, talked to him three, four times maybe over the years. Um, and then when, you know, I told him I, I do a podcast with Shane Hagador and that kind of opened up, you know, a conversation at the gym one day. But admiring his incredible ability in the ring to never botch a spot. Except for at Cage of Death when he did something and he goes, and it was against Sanjay Dutt, available in the archives, uh, Death Before Dishonor 4. Uh, he says, I don't fuck up. That's right. Does not. I just he was as full and, and still is like the most flawless smooth technician in the ring and you see this layer of intensity on top of him but really he's just a goofball <laughs> yeah. and that's that's what always fascinated me because I would always hear from people like Chris Daniels or Joe that Brian and Roddy as well would, would talk about it. That Brian was like this goofball. And every, you've talked every, about every it. promo, every promo. He looks like he's just on the verge of laughing at just doing it. And he can't keep a straight face just doing a promo about anything like I, <laughs> back I, then I, in the early I, days. I just I watch him and I just think to myself, like, what is going on between his ears? as he is having these incredible off-the-page, just 
beautiful wrestling matches and redefining what a classic modern style wrestling match is. You know, I, I think a lot of people would go in the 80s and they'd look at Flair's 89 and they would say, wow, like the Terry Funk matches, the Ricky Steamboat matches. Um, I want to say he, he worked with Luger a little bit in 89. And you, you look at that and you're just like, what a year. But then you look at Brian Danielson from 04, 05, 06, 07, and you're just like, my God, this guy never had a bad match. And he never took a night off. The The working through the shoulder injury was incredible. Doing the favor for homicide. He was the perfect guy to lose the belt to homicide. Because he split that crowd in New York, homicide's backyard. He split the crowd because they loved him so much they didn't want to see him lose the title. Even though homicide is New York's number one son. And you you just even to this day, I mean Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, whatever you know, WWE slave name he has. It's the same guy. He hasn't changed by going to the other company. And I just, I, I, I watch him and, and I'm just awed still. And that's the ultimate testament to a, a professional wrestler where he just wrestles the same exact style that he did. 2002 which is every style yes and that's a part of what makes him the 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 best wrestler in the world uh that he can do everything uh, and he may not have been the greatest promo you know 20 years ago but goddamn if he isn't one of the best promos they have now and He's. I, I likened him to an Eddie Guerrero when I wrote an, uh, a little blurb for Fighting Spirit magazine uh, years ago. Um, I think it may have been written during the Final Countdown tour. Uh, I have it somewhere still. Um, but he can play both roles. He can play both babyface and heel roles in the same match. And he can beat the shit out of you in a strong style exhibition or just go hold for hold catch as catch can and he incorporate some lucha, Kamala incorporate some lucha and yes have a match with Kamala that we, we talked about and did on the show in the archives and can go do you know team uppercut and Chikara for their trios tournament and go crazy brawling stuff with homicide and go do, you know, comedy hugging Kane with a therapist and still make it work. But the team hell no. And then, you know, the fucking, the run up to WrestleMania 30 and the comeback from that and the stuff that he's doing now, uh, where he's got like this almost return to the classic American dragon look going on now. Uh, aside from, Aside from Eddie Guerrero, uh, Brian's the best wrestler of the last 20 years. And I don't think it's close. 
I don't. I think those two guys are in a class by themselves. Mm-hmm. As as a complete package, able to emotionally engage you, both through the their words, their ability to create emotion. Brian's no punk in that regards, but he didn't have to be. He had his own way of doing it. There, and I mean, we've and, referenced it a million times. There is no right way to do things. There's infinite ways to do things right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian does found, every single yes. one of them. Yep. And he found his way. And it's, like I said, an amalgamation of always. You know, it's 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 going to Japan, going to Mexico, going to Europe. It's it's regal. It's you know. To, Texas Wrestling Academy. It's everything he's been around. The New Japan Dojo in LA and everything and everyone he has been around. It's MMA. It's it's, it's everything. He's he's a sponge for for all styles and they've created this professional wrestler who the hard pressed to 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 find another like him um, in a long time. You're never gonna see anything like it again, ever. Nah. The business has changed. Brian is a savant. And what's crazy is that him succeeding in Ring of Honor is kind of a no shit. Like he is the poster child for what Ring of Honor was supposed to represent. Mm-hmm. Um. But what represented at its core in, in the early days, and you know what it what it grew into is pure professional wrestling, and he, he definitely epitomized that. Um, and those early days when he wasn't necessarily around, like every single show, and he traveled, he still had enough gravitas and enough ca- uh, cachet with the fans that you know Gabe could justify putting him in a title match on some bullshit excuse <laughs> like oh the, the quality of the four matches he's had in the last 12 months are so good that he can be in a title match uh, there was never but any it didn't absolute... matter like it didn't matter necessarily but he was he wasn't around as much because then when he was it was like it was, it was, he was put in like things that felt important, like the night of the Grudges match, the main event spectacles matching in AJ Styles, and brought into team with Joe, uh, and then you know when we eventually got to a title match with Joe, and he he had a weight to him and importance, and. He's one of the guys in the Ring of Honor who had two themes that were essential to his presentation, yeah. be it Offspring or Europe. They both were bonded to him. There's there's not much more to say about Brian that we haven't said, but I think when you look at the bookends of his career, and obviously, he's not getting any younger. I think he's got another three years on a WWE contract, uh, and physical, you know, health toll has, has, you know, worn him down. He's got a family now, and 
You're never going to see somebody be this successful on an independent level, on an international level, and on a WWE level again. It's just not going to happen that way. The, the business has changed too much. He was the last one. But he been in. He was the one who never should have made it. He was one of the ones who never should have made it at WWE for sure. Yeah, yeah. On that, on on the model that people tend to think of with that company, he would have. You know, he's up there as one of the guys who people would have never thought made it. Punk is in that model. Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens is in that model. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, in that model of people who ascended to the top. I would put AJ in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. People who never, people people who never were supposed to be in that spot. Who have through quality of what they offered through the sheer fucking willpower of their own work of the fans uh, being behind them. Um, He created a movement. It was called the yes movement. Think about the, the brevity of the word movement and what that has been attached to over the years. I mean, and to the point that it caught on, you know, there was, there would, they used when, once it became a thing, WWE would have that clip package of all the other places. And I remember the, when they showed them at the Breslin Center where the Michigan State Spartans play basketball of everybody going, yes, yes, yes. Like it, it transcended. It, was, it, it transcended wrestling. You know, that's not, not something that happens a lot. Uh, not a lot of things that translate, that transcend um wrestling but that that just that i'm sure there's a lot of people who do it don't even know where the fuck it came from yep i mean there was even an international one where it was the yep movement (laughs) but really i think all things considered brian danielson is a very deserving member of the hall of fame of honor um but there is one more inductee, and that is a man that received the highest number of points in total votes, Samoa Joe. It was close, though. It was very it close. Was as we Very close. We mentioned Brian and Joe had the same amount of first, second, and third place votes. Uh, and it was me- only... It was only a couple last-minute votes that really gave Joe the definitive lock. Yeah. Last-minute ones. And and to me, you know, Samoa Joe is my favorite wrestler in the history of Ring of Honor. Um, More than anyone else, I identified what he did in the ring as my kind of wrestling. And... When he went to TNA and then eventually came back to Ring of Honor for a handful of matches and then off to NXT and then WWE, it wasn't the same like it was with Brian. But Samoa Joe's time in Ring of Honor did more. He is a former Ring of Honor world champion. 
He is a former Ring of Honor pure champion. He could never attain those tag team titles. He was somebody that was so drastically different than anybody I'd ever seen before that his style got me to go look at pro wrestling Noah, look at all Japan um, and, and kind of open up my eyes to what else is out there. Um, not only that, I look at how he interacted with people and I, I, just go back to the Kobashi match and that whole night just being such a surreal moment and being so big being the biggest moment of my fandom that it outweighs everything a Brian Danielson accomplished that the Briscoes have accomplished in being with the company since day one you know Samoa Joe was not supposed to be a Ring of Honor regular. He was a fly-in to wrestle low-key, and that was supposed to be it. And it wasn't. And thank God for that, because... I just... I look at his career, and I look at the matches, and I think back to who I was with for certain matches, and who I was sitting with, and where I was, and what was going on in my life. And I can connect the dots to pretty much every one of the big Samoa Joe matches and to me his title run that original Ring of Honor world title that's Samoa Joe's belt you know people associate the winged eagle with Hogan and Brett I associate the Ring of Honor title the original Ring of Honor title with Joe even though guys like Brian had it, Punk had it, Aries had it. That's Joe's belt. Everybody else just got to wear it. <laughs> nah, it was... Uh, uh, he was that unique... He, he, again, was one of those unique individuals that... That very first match, the fight without honor with, Lo, for, with against Loki from Glory by Honor. Like talk about making a dude in one night. He was made in one night in one match with the Ring of Honor faithful. Within three minutes, and, he was amazing. Yeah, and it's it's you know at that point you know it was a month after Key lost the belt and. I, I wasn't watching the product yet at that point, and I wasn't there firsthand to see any of this. But I don't know. Like when you watch it back, it feels like there's this inevitability to Joe becoming the champion. Of course he would. Look, at that dude, he's a fucking monster. He was there's Ring no, of Honor. There's no Godzilla. There's nobody. Yeah, there's nobody that can touch him. Like beat him but <laughs> barely <laughs> you know and Joe won you know he was victorious in that loss because he was made he did, he went in there with Ring of Honor's killer 
the 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 most vicious man on the roster, the dude who fans completely were all in on the idea of Loki just being this insane threat to anyone. And Joe went in there and hung with him every step of the way. Why wouldn't this dude eventually become the champ? It just seemed inevitable. And then just watching him like month after month and show after show, kind of like just building. And and, and not not every world title match he had was you know, sixty minutes with Punk or you know thirty that thirty minutes with with Daniels with Christopher Daniels at Glory Runner two, but they were all just like telling the story of Joe as this dude who can beat anybody who gets in the ring with him. In he a four way. A monster building with a, the Briscoes. He was a monster with a human element. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you see very often in pro wrestling. I mean he he just had this like there was a likability factor because he was the coolest guy in the room. And when he would do his promos and end with I am Samoa Joe and I am pro wrestling, you believed it. Yeah, argue it. You can't. You believed it. As a fan, you heard that and you believed it. And then he would go show it. Whether you're booing him or cheering him, he was out there and he showed that he was the Ring of Honor champion. He was the Ring of Honor world champion. This was his belt, like you said. And he made the Briscoes. Like, he made, he elevated the Briscoes from a tag team to like actual threats to his belt. Uh, even at Final Bout 2003, when like literally nobody on earth thought Mark would have won the belt, he still, it was still a hell of a fight. So one of my favorite matches of Joe's to watch back. That's why we watched it back in the archives. Ha! Thought about 2003. You know. And then he would have... But again, in the same way that the... It was the, 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 the matches with Punk that really, I think, put that stamp on Joe as more than just the dude who goes in there and runs over people. You know, he had... He had Pretty decently long match with with Daniels and Corey Bonner too, but those matches with Punk showed that he might be a big motherfucker, but he can go. He's got the conditioning and the cardio, and like I said he was one of one of many people who took the company on their shoulders and said, "Anybody who tries to stop us." So the one thing with Joe that I I, I saw, you know, not necessarily firsthand, but I guess saw from a distance was the leadership. Yeah. Yes. He was very much the undertaker of the Ring of Honor locker room. He was the, the soul of that locker room, the heartbeat, you know, the captain of the ship, if you will. And I don't know how much Brian or the Briscoes or Punk or Daniels or Nigel or any anybody like that 
homicide. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of that those guys got involved in, but Joe was the captain of the ship. And I don't think anybody could really take that spot. And I don't know if anybody has taken that spot since. Um... I don't know. I mean, there were definitely, you know, the locker room heads, you know, with Joe and a punk. Uh, but after that, I don't know. I mean, I, but, I can't imagine, you know, Dalton Castle is leading locker room speeches and, you know, telling guys to shut the fuck up. <laughs> It was just, it was like a team captain, I guess, thinking about it. Team captains, co-captains, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but they, they weren't at war said, with each other. When he said, I, I am pro wrestling, I, I could have attached I am Ring of Honor onto that. You know, and that, that's, you know, and I mentioned it with Punk. To a lesser degree, Brian, with his you know seven years, give or take, is drifting in and out of the company prior to winning the belt. Uh, I mean, look at the bulk of Joe's run was less than five years, mm-hmm. and the last year of that reign of that run, he was in TNA, it was double dutying in between TNA. Mm-hmm. And that was that's the one thing that swayed my vote from Joe as my number one to carry was Joe had the TNA stank attached to him. And it's unfair of me to associate his Ring of Honor time with TNA, but if you look at that last year where he was doing both, and there were, you know, issues with him losing. Uh, the bait and switch in Jersey for Ring of Homicide with Necro. That shit worked. I would stand. I would stand beside that decision any day of the week. I I would not. I would not. I would have found another place to do Necro and Homicide. I just not. I, the the level of intensity and excitement that people had that night getting ready for Joe and Necro in Ring of Honor of all places unbelievable I know when I landed at Newark that day that the number one reason I got on a plane to go to that show was Joe and Necro Everything else was secondary. Now, was it an acceptable substitute? Yes. Did I still yell fuck TNA? Hell yes, I did. Pretty sure Joe was hurt. He was. At that point. Yeah, his knee knee was messed up. But, you know, if he wasn't doing those TNA dates, the knee is not as bad. Yeah. 
I don't know. And they, but if you look at his Ring of Honor team, hey, hey, hey. Last this is one of those moments I have to say I love I love I love fans. Fuck you for making money. Fuck you for getting paid. Fuck it's you not, for getting paid. It's not that it was who he was making the money with, mm-hmm. and how they were booking him because nobody booked him the way Ring of Honor did. WWE doesn't get it. TNA didn't get it. I mean, they they painted a dick on his face. <laughs> At TNA, yeah. they tried to make him Umaga at WWE at one point. Uh, that was the initial pitch for him. Uh, you know, I, I just I don't understand how you can't look at the insane energy that he managed to drum up from the crowd at Ring of Honor, and then he goes to TNA, and it's just like this soulless. But it wasn't to begin with. It was not to begin with. The stuff with AJ and Daniels was great. And the bloody, the bloody towel that drifted between promotions, which I thought was an awesome touch that he would do. And, and you, they kind of let the feud bleed between the two companies in subtle ways. Um, I enjoyed all that stuff, but. And- but, and those but, matches were great. The the matches with AJ were better in TNA. That's I don't think anybody can argue that. Not completely. But my point in even bringing up TNA was that Joe's impact, no pun intended, on Ring of Honor is huge given his itty bitty time frame spent there. Yeah. Over in the grand in the grand scheme of almost 18 years of Ring of Honor, he was there for what? I don't know. I don't do math well either. 25% of the uh, company's five, life. Five of the 18 years. Yeah. So, so almost 30, the, 30, little under 30%. Yeah, almost a third. Mm-hmm. He, he I just. Mean, he was the first. He was the longest reigning, is the longest reigning world champion. He made the title a world title by being the first to defend it outside of the country. Such a weird pro wrestling thing. Uh, I know. Because it didn't. I'm standing by that point. I know. he, he he defended it against you know he he his I mean, uh, up to the point when I left and you know when I was still keeping records he was you know in terms of number of title defenses were was I think at that point fourth was it Brian and Nigel it was Brian Nigel and then either Joe Aries or Aries Joe I don't remember uh, for title defenses I mean they made it a big deal to to kind of knock Joe out of that spot you know they, they, the modern Ring of Honor kind of Jay Lethal is now combining his reigns the longest mm-hmm. reigning champion in history and whatever it's whatever it's a, it's a marketing point for it but mm-hmm. Joe's the single for a single title reign the longest reigning champion and who was Samoa Joe's proto Jay? Well, 
Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal. Uh, T-shirt available at itsadbbproduct.com. But his 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 immense importance for such a for such a short period of time. Enough for all of these votes to give him the number one spot. Yep. And to be the leader uh, in in points, to be the one that I saw on the most ballots immediately coming in um, until the point was made, you know, we should include Carrie. Uh, Joe was number one on pretty much everyone's ballot. Mm-hmm. One or two. And uh, it was him and Brian alternating. Um, but the, the other thing, and we've talked about it on shows past, but this is kind of the, the one thing with Joe that separates him. He was the coolest guy in every room he was in. He took himself... Presence. Yeah, he, he took himself so lightly and just walked softly but carried a big stick. And I, I just will never, for the life of me, forget him, you know, walking in and getting a standing ovation after the Kobashi match at the New Yorker. Uh, I remember his last night uh, in the States, in Chicago, uh, during, was a fifth-year festival? Fifth-year festival at the Windy City Fieldhouse. Um the party at Roses, or not Roses, but, um, oh God. I don't know where we were. I was driving home in a blizzard after that show. Yeah, it was, it was not Roses, but it was some other pizza place. And just hearing stories from him and thinking like, yeah, this is the last time we're going to ever see each other. And, you know, all these years later, he walks by me at the gym and, you know, pats me on top of my head, just keeps on going. Does nothing at the gym, by the way. Uh, I'm going to point that out there. He stood around and socialized with the New Day and Rusev and pretty much everybody else and did nothing in the gym uh, while I was doing app crunches. So, boom. Thanks, he sees you, he fucking smacks you. He's going to kill me if he ever hears this. Um, I will let him know that he was inducted into the Hall of Fame of Honor. Um, <laughs> I'll con- send him a congratulatory Twitter message. I'd just like to make it a note that 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 Jeff Schwartz on this podcast, being recorded on December twenty seventh, two thousand nineteen, just tried to say that he works harder in the gym than the WWE roster. Well, there are a couple of people that were. Not he just called that. out like six people by name that he works harder than on the WWE roster. No, no, so, no, no, no. no. So New, point that out. The New Day and Rusev, like they they actually did work out. Samoa Joe just went around the room and talked to everybody. He did nothing. Uh, the rest of them were actually doing work. So you saying you work harder in the gym than Samoa Joe? That day, yes. Um, Sean Spears uh, was on the treadmill the same day, and uh, I went ten minutes longer than he did. So, yeah, a story I, I noted to him in catering. Sorry, I'm sorry. I should have brought an umbrella for all your name dropping. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, people go to my gym. And it's, I, we don't have any Mr. LOL, I'll pretend you said 18s at my gym. Yes, that's you. That's why I get to see at my gym, so fuck off. Only a couple times a year, but I, I really think this was a, a fun episode to do. I love the fan interaction that we got. Um, you know, our patrons voting. Uh, I opened the voting up to the ROH World Message Board, who allowed me to make a post over there with votes and discussion and um there was some wise ass that tried to elect grizzly redwood to the hall of fame along with brian somebody guy I'd never heard of uh i don't know this man into it i um, see if i can find his name real quick but uh brian Malonis. Brian Malonis. He's works there now, I believe. Does he have a different name now? No. Hmm. What does he do there? I, I you watch the product more than I do. I don't know who this man is. Look it up. I I I'm Googling him right now, actually. But anyway. That's neither here nor there. Oh, he's Brawler, the Brawler in the uh, Beer City Bruiser tag team. Okay, now I know who this guy's talking about. I didn't know his name was Brian. Whatever. But we, you look at the final group of our inaugural class, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, the Briscoes, CM Punk, Kerry Silken. Hell of a foundation. Fans voted for. Indeed, indeed, and I am. Like I said, if it was, if we hadn't opened it up for Carrie, I probably would have had Nigel or Homicide as my number five. But mm-hmm. uh, opening it up to Carrie, yep, and you know, any other non-in-ring staff over the years. Um, yeah, it's, this is a, a very solid first class for the an honorable mention, honorable Hall of Fame of Honor class of 2019. So when we do this next year and we have our second class, who's getting in? Give me one. One guarantee for next year. Hmm. Chris Daniels. Deservedly so. I would I would say Gabe's getting in next year. Very possible. Chloe that was close. He was a he was the top vote getter that did not make the top five. Want to support the show and look good while doing it? Then check out it's a dvdproduct.com your number one source for merchandise that's worthy of an honorable mention. Get our logo on everything from trucker hats to decals to warm up pants to zip up hoodies. You can even get honorable mention socks. Pick up shirts featuring the posters of events talked about on an honorable mention or get a shirt with your favorite line from the show on it. It's a dvdproduct.com your number one source for merchandise that's worthy of an honorable mention. We'll support the show directly. The best way to do that is to become a patron today at patreon.com slash an honorable pod. 
we have two membership levels for you to choose from. There's the early bird level, where you get to hear each week's show raw, commercial-free, before I've even had a chance to get my hands on it. Hey, wait a minute. Enough people do that, and I'm out of a job. There's also the Do You See This Face level, where in addition to getting the uncut, early, commercial-free version of the show, you get the video version, where you get to see Jeff and Shane. Plus, the Do You See This Face level gets you a DVD from Jeff's massive library, and at least one watch-along match per month. And both levels will get you a 15% discount code at itsadvdproduct.com. So you can get honorable mention merchandise at a discount. You can't lose. It's patreon.com slash an honorable pod. Become a patron today. I want to thank everybody for participating in this episode and joining us uh, and staying around year after year. We're now heading into 2020. And Literally tomorrow, in, in, you know, in, in a f- tomorrow, based on what this it's a new will drop. A new decade, two o two o, as my late grandfather would have called it, because uh, he would always say two o one nine, two o one eight, is the year instead of two thousand eighteen. Uh, so we're going into two o two o tomorrow. I want to wish everybody a happy and healthy new year, a year full of health and wealth. Uh, partner, before I see you in 14 days, 15 days, uh, in the disgusting city, the worst town I've ever been in, Miami, Florida, um, in front of a sold-out Watts Co. Center for AEW Dynamite, we have to do some shows. And we're going to do two shows from Florida. How about that? My pick. Proving Ground 2009 comes to you January 7th, night one. January 14th, we're going to bring to you Proving Ground 2009, night two. January 21st, weekend of champions, night one. January 28th, weekend of champions, night two. February 4th, to be determined, Unscripted 2 comes to you on the anniversary, February 11th. Fifth Year Festival, New York, February 18th. And then we're going to do the anniversary show poll on the 25th for you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at an honorable pod. Facebook.com backslash an honorable pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Jeff Schwartz. Facebook, just search Jeff Schwartz. Partner, where can we find you on the interwebs? At Hagedorn Shane on Twitter and Instagram. Shane Hagedorn on Facebook. And uh, go over to YouTube. Search an honorable mention. Give us a follow, a like, a love, a heart, a hug. And get some non-ROH matches of the week. The matches that we do play by play. Watch alongs for our Patreon. ROH music. Eddie Guerrero. Kenta. And more. We've got plenty of stuff at YouTube and uh, plenty of stuff on patreon.com backslash honorable pod uh, coming to you in the near future. We are brought to you by the Creative Control Network in the present and in the future. So be sure to follow the head of the Creative Control Network, Mr. Joe Feeney. He is on Twitter at JFF. Ha ha, double E. Ha ha. 
N-E-Y-3-R-D, and at the CC Network 1 for all the latest news and notes on the Creative Control Network. Be sure to follow our verified scientist of sound, our astronaut of audio, our purveyor of production, the ace of action figures, the base master general, the technician of trouble, the best broadcast machine, the award-winning autocrat of advertisement, Mr. Zach Johnson. He's on Twitter and Instagram, at Radio ZT. And he delivers us the best intro and outro every single week and makes sure we sound cooler than the other side of the pillow. Unfortunately, tomorrow does begin a new year and we still have no answers regarding the murder of my friend Carnell Sledge and his friend Catherine Brown. Uh, That was on June 4th, 2019. If you know anything, please call the Federal Bureau of Investigation for the city of Cleveland 216-622-6842. That's 216-622-6842. You can remain anonymous. And a $30,000 tax-free reward will be distributed upon conviction. Bring justice where justice is deserved so that we can finally mourn Carnell and Catherine properly. Having said that, Happy New Year to everybody, healthy and wealthy for all of us. Uh, Partner, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. The rest of you, I don't give a shit. Well, (laughs) having said that, there is only one thing left to do, and that is to quote the great Sauronaro. No need to trip out. It's time to dip out. Slap the porpoise. This year is over. We're out. Keep your chin up. We'll see you next week in 2020 for Proving Ground 2009, Night One. Hashtag Grizzly Redwoods Hat. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, What a wonderful world I see skies of blue And clouds of white The bright blessed day The dark sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. much more than I never knew, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world.